Hello, welcome to another episode of Lawyers for Immigrants. My name is Yifei He. I am the president of the law office of Yifei He, where we are dedicated to helping new immigrants and American citizens with all aspects of their immigration problems. Today, my guest is Dara Rosenbaum of Rosenbaum & Taylor. Dara is an experienced business attorney. She's had her firm now for over 10 years, and she's dedicated to helping small businesses navigate all their troubles from soup to nuts. So again, thank you for being on your show, Dara, and I'm glad you can make it. I'm so happy to be here. This is gonna be fun. Thanks. So Dara, tell us a little bit about your practice. So the practice is primarily at this point, business law. So we help small businesses from entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, sole proprietorships, you know, through LLCs and corporations, mostly focused on the small to medium-sized businesses, I would say. And we handle anything from formation of the business, we advise on growth of the business, we draft contracts for the business, we review leases, any sort of documents that the business needs. We refer business owners to other professionals who can kind of be a complement to what we're working on with them. And then we also handle any kind of disputes. So if they're involved in a contract dispute or some sort of real estate dispute, we handle those as well. And we're trial lawyers by training. So if the case needs to be tried or needs to be litigated and not try, you know, not up, but doesn't need to be tried and get settled, appeals, we kind of do it all. Great. So what inspired you to become a business lawyer? I, I, I started my career as an insurance defense attorney and did a lot of litigation. And like I said, sort of, you know, professionally birthed as a, as a litigator and a trial attorney. I just, I think when I started my own firm with my partner 11 years ago, when I've been practicing for 20 plus, but when I started my own firm, I think I just realized that there were so many things that I knew as an attorney that they never taught you business in law school. They didn't, you know, didn't know some of the ins and outs of the way to do things. And I considered myself an educated person who'd done the research and all that kind of stuff. So my thought kind of shifted to, I love to do business law and get really intimately involved with clients who are starting businesses, growing businesses, transitioning, someone's retiring, someone's, you know, they're merging with another business, they're buying another business. All of those things are exciting to me to get involved with and to help with because like I said, as a business owner myself, I love helping other businesses to, you know, to form and grow and prosper. Great. Do you currently have any clients or have you had clients in the past who are immigrants? Absolutely. I have had people who are undocumented. I have people who are going through the process of getting visas. I have had work with clients who have presence overseas and have a, lo a local branch either in New York or New Jersey, which is primarily where I practice. So I've dealt with all of those issues relating to you know owners of businesses who are immigrants. Okay, that's wonderful. So you basically have like the small mama mama and papa shop and then you also have the multinational executives you also have people who just don't have papers and right. they just want to make some money in the u.s mm -hmm. absolutely okay great so what recommendations do you have for an immigrant looking to start a business in the u.s i would say planning you you know you want to know what you're doing before you get into it i mean i i have heard people say that starting a small business is like flying the plane while you're still building it and I think that's true to a large degree because you can't plan for everything. But I think there's a lot of, of experience that people around you will have that they can share. There's a lot of research that you can do. There's a lot of resources you can tap into to you know, plan everything from what is the structure going to look like? 
what is the five and 10 year plan going to look like? Is the business going to grow? Are you planning to do it yourself? Are you planning to expand? Are you planning to bring on a partner? So, you know, I, I've dealt with businesses um, which start as just, you know, one person doing a particular job and then the structure changes and they bring in a partner, perhaps they get purchased. So there's all sorts of transitions that you can't plan for. But when you can do the planning on the front side to determine what kind of contracts you want to use, what what relationships do you want to have with employees if you have any or if you're going to have any? What relationships do you want to have with your clients and your vendors? And how do you want to properly document those so that you're protected as best you can be by the language and the agreements you use? Great. And specific to immigrants, are there any special planning that they should do? There are. So there's different structures when you're starting a business. You can start, as, I mean, I can't give legal advice here just because of the setting, but it, in general, you're talking about either starting a sole proprietorship or a partnership or an, a limited liability company or a corporation. And you want to give thought if you if the person who's starting the business is undocumented to the type of entity that you can that you can use because there is a prohibition in the US and every state I'm aware of of knowingly hiring somebody as an employee of a business who is undocumented. So you want to be in a situation you don't want to be in a situation where you are an you as the owner uh, or the founder are considered to be by the law an employee of the business because you could then face penalties and fines. So you want to you want to take a structure where you're not going to be considered to be an employee and you can be a, a partner in business or you can be a sole proprietorship and you're not as concerned necessarily depending on the circumstances with those types of issues. I see. So just, you know, with my rudimentary knowledge of business law, mm -hmm. you can't have a corporation, for example, where you're the um, sole employee. Correct. But you can't have, for example, a partnership where you and another person together form a business and the other person might be a U.S. citizen. Is that correct? correct. And I think in, in most, most cases that I'm aware of, and I would certainly advise people to get state specific and to consult an attorney for their particular situation. But in most cases I'm aware of, partnerships are not, the people who are partners in a partnership are not considered to be employees of that partnership. So that would be fine. Okay, great. And what are some typical business mistakes that immigrants make that you see when they either form a business or when they have the business up and running? I, I see sometimes an unfortunate reluctance to reach out for help. You know, obviously being undocumented has its it has its own share of concerns, but you know, you can reach out to and I would recommend somebody who's in that circumstance reach out to an attorney they trust and work with an accountant, work with a tax professional, because there are certainly, you know, there are certainly ways that I think unfortunately people who are undocumented, somebody can try to take advantage of them. So I think that it's it's important to know your rights. It's important to hear from a professional what you can do and what you can't do and what others can do and they can't do. So you understand your rights and what others' rights and responsibilities are. Because I do see people running into situations where, for example, somebody is undocumented, they have a small business, and they haven't been paid. And you know the answer on the other side is like, well, I don't really have to pay you because you're undocumented anyway. And I always remind the client that just because you're undocumented does not mean you don't have the same contract rights that anybody else would have. So those are the kind of things that you definitely want to consult with an attorney about. And you want to know your rights and know what the other party's responsibilities are 
know what you can and can't do and know sort of how, you know, to, to, you know, to kind of follow the rules with respect to the business. Right. Do you also see, for example, in a partnership scenario where one person is taken advantage of because they're undocumented? And and in that in that circumstance, if you know if the undocumented partner felt the need to bring a lawsuit against the against the the partner who's a citizen, partner the that undocumented partner has all the same rights that that a, that a citizen would have to sue. So you can you know you don't you don't get to you know you're you're still bound by the partnership agreement or the operating agreement or whatever it is you're using in the business, and everybody's bound by it the same way whether you're documented or undocumented, and you have the same rights that you would have whether you're documented or undocumented. Right. So that goes to show the importance of formation and having a strong structure, a, a backbone for starting the business, because that'll definitely lead to you know, less litigation down the road and less expense down the road. Yeah. And I always tell people whether they're immigrants, whether they're documented or undocumented, whether they're citizens, regardless, anybody who's looking to start a business. I always tell people that if you're working with other people and you're going to work with other people, whether it's within your business or outside of your business, you always want to get all the terms down as best you can, at, at, you know, at the, at the beginning, because that's when everybody's getting along. That's when there's no disputes. Everybody's happy to start the business. Everybody's excited about these new relationships. That's the time to get all of these things down in paper. So, for example, you want to use a strong contract when you're providing a service to somebody. You want that scope of work to be really tightly written so that if there's no there's no wiggle room or no room for real interpretation as far as what was required, you know, what, what work was to be performed and what work was to be paid for and on what schedule and on what terms. So I think that, you know, whether it's that, whether it's that relationship that you're having with somebody you're providing a service to somebody you're selling something to on a regular basis, where you're talking about being a distributor or a manufacturer, or if you're, you know, providing personal training services, if you're providing home chef services, I it really just anybody who's providing a service or providing some type of goods needs to make sure that those relationships are are strong and are written in good terms that can be relied upon later. Same thing like you were just saying with somebody who has a business partner. You want to talk about, you know, what's, you know, what happens if what happens if somebody becomes disabled? What happens if somebody wants to retire? What happens if unfortunately somebody dies? How are we going to make decisions? Are we going to make decisions, you know, we have to be unanimous? If there are three of us involved, do we have to be unanimous or can two of us based on our voting you know, on our voting override somebody else's opinion? So you want to get that all down so that you have a document that you can point to later on when there's a dispute or something comes up and say, no, no, we've already been through this. This is what we decided we were going to do. Exactly. In certain cultures, it's not customary to write things down, but mm -hmm. I would say the opposite is true in the U.S. because... The, the better it is, the the more it's written down um, and the better the structure is so that you won't have to spend years litigating it mm -hmm. in court trying to interpret the blank spaces. And that's something that I think a, a good business attorney knows is that there are certain cultures or certain norms where things are not written down or where it's customary to trust people you're in business with and that you're not, there's no expectation that somebody's going to, you know, going to sue you. It's like they, they, there are cultures and, you know, that it's just not something that is, in most societies are not as litigious as the U.S. is. So I think that a good attorney will kind of, you know, work a, a client through that to get them more comfortable because the ultimate goal in all of those things is to protect the client and to protect the business. Right, right. 
Well, have you ever worked with other professionals such as myself, immigration lawyers, to, for example, start a business in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, for foreign nationals? Um, I'm always happy and I'm, I'm almost, I sort of feel like it's a requirement to consult with other professionals whose areas of practice touch what I'm working on. You know, I wouldn't want to, you know, I, I, want to, I want to understand the full picture. I want the client to be very candid with me. I want the client to be candid about, you know, assets and where they are, what their immigration status is so that I can pull in other professionals, whether it's somebody from a tax planning perspective, somebody like yourself from an immigration perspective, you know, any other professionals who I would work with. And it's not just when I work with immigrants or undocumented persons, it's really when I work with anybody. I mean, if somebody comes to me and says, I'm not sure what to do about this, do I form an S corp or a C corp? I've got questions. Like, well, let's first talk to your tax, you know, to your tax attorney or to your accountant to make sure that what we're doing is going to be best for you. I see. I see. Well, I mean, it's better to have a holistic approach, especially when you're starting something as important as permanent as a business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, right. So is there any resources that you can give to people who are listening to this show? Uh, the Small Business Administration has a lot of good information on. I would say that there are, you know, there's SBAs all over the place that you can you can reach out to and get resources from and information from. You want to be, I think, as in with with anything, you want to be very selective about where you're getting your information from online. I would say, and I would say this to everybody, there's a limited limited uh, limited use for things like online contracts. They're a good place to start, so you can think through some issues before you speak to an attorney. But I would say that, you know, the SBA is, is a source that I really trust in terms of providing information for people, whether it's starting a business or other documents that you need to, need to have, because based on the type of business that you're going to start and the form for that, and the, for the form for the entity, it's going to determine what paperwork you need to file, what protections you need to have, and, you know, and what tax consequences you may have. Right. So what if, you know, they want to just start their business with legal Zoom? Would you recommend that? I don't because it's a very one. The problem with LegalZoom and those types of things, I think they have a limited role. And I understand that, that people want to spend whatever that flat fee is to get their business started. What I think it doesn't take into account is individual circumstances. So it's not specific to your circumstance, where you're going to be working, the types of work you're going to be doing. So it's to me, it's always best to have an attorney handle those types of things. And then that attorney becomes a resource for you. The attorney knows your business. They learn how you do things. They can educate you on pitfalls that there might be. They can be an advisor to you like I do with my clients, because I think that, you know, having a person on the other end is always better than, you know, trying to figure out how to do it yourself. I think if you have a lot of knowledge, like if I, if I went on LegalZoom, I could, you know, use their forms change them, adapt them, modify them as I need to. I don't do that, but I could. But somebody without that kind of base knowledge about their rights and responsibilities and things that they might want in contracts or might want in their agreements or might want in their formation documents and what they don't want in there, I think it's there's it a vulnerability, I think, when you use things like LegalZoom. I see. So you have people coming back to you after you form their business, for example, or other stuff too. Absolutely. I mean, to me, to me, it's an investment in a relationship. So, you know, if I form the business, then we're going to, you know, and it, and it depends. You, you want to be, listen, I started my own business 11 years ago. You want to be super lean in the beginning. You know, you probably want to be super lean as much as you can all the way through. People, somebody recommended to me when we started, 
you know, run it like an old man running a candy store. Like make sure you know where every penny goes. So I understand the need for efficiency and speed and budget when we start a business. And that's always something that I'm very conscious of with all of my clients at all times. So, you know, in the beginning, when we form it, we're going to do certain things. You know, if they're leasing space, they're leasing equipment, we're going to look at those agreements and make sure that those are as favorable as they can be in those circumstances. If they're starting some type of relationship with a vendor or a customer or a client that's a contractual relationship, we're going to work on those documents and they're going to leave my office or metaphorically my office with a set of documents that they can then use and they're going to change the names and they're going to change the scope. And they're going to call me when they say, you know what, I'm writing this one and the other the guy, the client's kind of giving me a hard time about paragraph 15. Do you think we could change it in this way? And it's a very quick consultation, but it gives the clients the peace of mind of knowing that, you know, what they have and what they're using is something that can help them sleep at night. Right. I mean, in the situation of an immigrant who's negotiating with a landlord for their lease, for example, would you be able to sort of tip the scale in their favor? If they had you versus if they just had legal zoom. Well, in a situation with a landlord, for example, you know, the landlord has the power there. You know, they have the space, you want it. If you don't want it, somebody else will. So in those situations, the landlord has the power. Now there are, you know, there are certain landlords that say, you know, take it or leave it. This is the lease. What I can do is read the lease, at least, first of all, the most important thing is for a client to always, and this is a business per, business person or a private individual documented or undocumented citizen or not, you always want to know what you're signing up for. So if you say, you know what, this is the space I want. I'm going to take it no matter what. I'm still going to go through the lease with you and point out things that you need to be aware of. You know, for example, they're not doing garbage pickup. You're responsible for that. Your security deposit is going to be this much and it's non-refundable if you do any of these things. This is what you're permitted to do on the property. This is what you're not permitted to do on the property. Electrics included, water is not. All of those kind of things that somebody should be aware of. But, you know, to the greatest degree possible, I'm going to try to negotiate favorable terms. Like I said, the landlord in that situation has the power, but we're going to try to kind of eat. And I don't think we can tip the scales in the favor of the tenant most times, but generally you can, uh, you can get a more favorable deal than the first one you're offered. Right. I mean, not just the tenant, landlord-tenant situation, but commercial mm -hmm. contracts. Um, Absolutely. Employees, contractors, mm -hmm. you know, having you by their side would be much better than if they just went alone, especially with limited English or limited knowledge of the law, mm -hmm. limited knowledge of their rights. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that it depends on what's the, you know, what circumstance the, the client is in. So if the client is the contractor hiring a subcontractor, well, in that relationship, the contractor is going to have more control because if, they, if this sub won't take the term, somebody else will. You know, right. if you're dealing with a building owner hiring a general contractor, for example, the building owner has more, you know, has more control there and more power there. So it's really about, Understanding the terms, understanding, you know, like you said, with limited English and limited knowledge of the law, it's so helpful to have an attorney you're comfortable with, who you can talk to, who can, you know, help you navigate all of that. And, you know, there may be terms that you can't change, but you need to at least know what they are. You need to at least understand your rights. And it would, it feels to me like a situation for somebody is ripe for being taken advantage of when they go into these kind of negotiations, whether it's with a vendor, customer, client, tenant, subcontractor, distributor, whatever the relationship is, if you go in there without the knowledge and without a professional behind you who's going to be advocating for you and making sure that you're protected as best you can be, 
and educated on all the terms, then I think that's just a situation that's really ripe for, you know, for someone being taken advantage of. Right. I mean, I've seen countless incidents where someone's been ripped off completely. And then after that, they come to, you know, you, and then they, it gets more expensive after that. It does. And, and it gets, and then it's, you know, it's disheartening. It's emotional. It's frustrating. Like you said, it's expensive. And I don't want my clients to learn those expensive lessons. I want them to, you know, to take it and use my knowledge and take advantage of everything that I've seen over 20 plus years to make their business as strong as possible, as protected as possible, so that they don't have to come into me and say, I really messed this one up. I need to do the next one better. Great, great. Yes. So I encourage all my listeners to reach out to Dara in the beginning if you have any plans of starting a business or if they're currently on a business and you just need professional advice as well as waiting until the last minute and then getting you know your whole shop blown apart by stuff you should have known when you first started the business. So last question for you, Dara, who would you recommend to be on this show? Another lawyer or professional that audiences would benefit from listening to? There's an attorney, since we're talking a little bit about employment, there's an employment attorney I know named Tamika Hardy. Actually, Tamika and I used to work at the same firm. She's now at a different firm. She's partnered at a different firm who does a lot with employment and employment, you know, employment discrimination cases, wage cases, all those types of things. So I think she'd be a great person to talk to your listeners about the employment implications, employment law, and those types of issues, because I think that, you know, you want somebody who specializes in that to work with you if you have any of those concerns. Great, great. So, yeah, so that concludes our show. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Dara, for attending. This has been um, terrific. Thanks, Ife. I, I was, it was a pleasure being here. Thank you. Happy to have you. So, again, you can find our show on all the streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google, and we look forward to another episode of Lawyers for Immigrants, where we help immigrants and new Americans navigate the complexities of the U.S. And thanks again to our host, Dara Rosenboom. Thank you. Thank you.